0: Revelation chapter 20, we're going to look at verse 1 to chapter 21, verse 8. That's our text. And the message entitled, What About the Eternal State? We have seen the millennial age that is literal, 1,000 years. The earth will be and go through a renovation, as we said, bringing about abundance and fruitfulness on the earth. We saw that last time. The ferocity of the animals will also be reverted back to the pre-Adamic state and prior to the fall. A child will lead a lion, a play with a poisonous snake, um, be no problem. Um, the nation of Israel will occupy the kingdom to fulfill all the promises uh, given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the Old Testament. Um, and once they survive that tribulation period, Jacob's trouble Uh, Jeremiah 30, verse 7, chapter 6 to 18 of the book of Revelation. We'll be looking at that when we get into Matthew 24 in um, a couple of weeks. Jesus will rule and reign as king, um, as priest, prophet, with possibly a vice regency of David, we said, during the millennial kingdom through delegated authority. And there's other governors that are appointed and all that. So we saw all of that in the millennial kingdom. Now, after the millennial kingdom, there is to be an eternal state. But there must be a purging of three things prior to that inauguration. And we want to focus on that. First, the judgment of Satan. Second, the judgment of the unbeliever. And third, the judgment of the earth. We begin with the judgment of Satan. We find it here in chapter 20, verse 1 through 10. Uh, Satan has been bound for a thousand years. Uh, verse 1 through 6 tells us here of chapter 20. Notice in verse 1, the time is stated, uh, the start of the millennial. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the keys to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. Now, the angel could be Michael. We're not positive. The angel has the key to the bottomless pit. It's called the Abuso, a shaft in the earth where demons are bound. Uh, we see this in Revelation 9 1 and 2, 11 7 and seventeen eight. Uh, by the way, Hitler and his, uh, his, his many of his masters of the, of the occult, were looking for that opening um, during and prior to World War II. He is very deep in the occult. Uh, Satan is bound with a great chain, notice that, under divine authority. Now, this is the beginning, remember, of the thousand years. The time is temporary. Notice in verse 2 he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of all, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him, what does it say? A thousand years. Again, those that deny the literalness, there it is, a thousand years. Um, the fourfold identification is destroyer, deceiver, accuser, and adversary. Satan is the worst thing that can happen to any person, okay? And people who don't have Jesus Christ are subject to them, just like you and I were prior to uh, coming to Jesus Christ. He destroys. The thousand years are literal again, indicated six times between verse 1 and 7. To spiritualize the millennial kingdom or to deny it, it's absolutely violating Scripture completely. Notice in verse 3, the time period is to remove the evil influence of Satan. And he cast him into the bottomless pit, shut him up, and he set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. So Satan will uh, not control nations anymore. Right now, you have dictators, you have you know different people that rule whatever, but Satan's behind. When people are not given to Christ, then Satan and his demons and everything else they hand. Uh, handpick people, they, they possess people, they do different things. Satan will not deceive nations, he will not accuse nations. All nations are deceived by Satan, and he is the God of this world with a small g. Uh, he has dominion, he's the prince of the power of the air, but he is not the owner of the earth. Second Corinthians 4.4, 4, God of this world, Ephesians 2.2, 2, prince of the power of the air. When um, Satan, when when Adam uh, fell, he, he fell. He handed over the dominion to Satan, not the ownership of the earth. Sometimes you'll hear that. Not so. He handed the dominion over to him. Okay. When Satan told uh, Jesus in the wilderness, um, all these kingdoms I will give to you if you bow down to me, for they haven't given to me. He's a liar. Dominion. They don't belong to him. Okay? John 8, 44. He's a liar, never told the truth. If if, if he lied in the first um, uh, two, why would the third one be true? <laughs> John 8, gives you a commentary. Now the time fulfilled results in his release. Notice at the end of verse 3. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. This is at the end of the thousand years. So he's bound at the beginning. He's released at the end there. And this is only for a short time. The tribulation saints, beheaded for their faith, live and reign with Christ during the millennial, being priest of God in Christ, the second death, being no, having no power over them, being blessed to be part of that first resurrection there in verse 4 and 6. Okay? Now, when you get to verse 7 to 9, Satan will lead his final rebellion. Now, when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison. And will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle whose number is as the sands of the seas, verse 8 says. Now, Important here, Gog and Magog here to gather them together to battle whose number is as the sand of the seas. This is not the same Gog and Magog of Ezekiel 38 and 39. That battle occurs at the beginning of the seven-year tribulation, right prior to it. This one's at the end of the thousand years, okay? Very important, all right? The phrase represents rebellion and hatred of God. Now, this battle takes place at the end of the thousand years and the number that follows Satan, notice, is as the sands of the seas. Um, you would think that after a thousand years of perfect reign with Jesus Christ, even though there's still sin and death, but he's an excellent ruler, perfect in every way. You think that man wouldn't rebel, but he does. So, again, to silence the psychologists and sociologists, that it's not the environment, but it's the heart of man. Just like the Bible says. It's always the heart. Notice in verse 9, they went up on the breadth of the earth. They um, surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city, meaning Jerusalem. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. How, How can a person even believe they can even fight against God? But yet they will. The place of attack, Jerusalem. The beloved city. The plight of Satan and the followers, defeated fire down from heaven devouring them this um again should silence the psychologists though jesus rules with a rod of iron holiness penetrates the kingdom and all eternal temptations are removed it's still the heart of man that's the problem jeremiah 79 amazing look at verse 10 Satan will be cast into the lake of fire. The place is the final abode of the rebellious angels. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Jesus said the lake of fire was created for Satan and his angels in Matthew 25, 41. Never for any person. This is his own place. Created for him and his angels due to the rebellion against God. He led a third of them away from God. The tense here indicates it was and is already in existence. Ready to be occupied. We don't know where it is. But you don't want to go there. The place of the final abode of the Antichrist, the false prophet. Notice he says where the beast and the false prophet are. So, the beast and the Antichrist... The beast is the PR man to the Antichrist. Both of them at this point have been there for a thousand years already. Notice they, they, didn't, they weren't annihilated. They didn't cease to exist in any way. They, they're there. Notice the place is the final retribution for evil. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Listen carefully. The purpose is punitive by the word tormented, which means to vex with grievous pain. Now, many humanists today, and even some who declare to be Christians say, well, I I, I can't, I, I don't see how God could do that. You're saying that you're more just than God. You're saying that you're more compassionate than God. You're saying that what these individuals do, or any individual against the holiness of God, without repentance, should be treated with kindness. Think what you say. There is punishment. Two things people understand in this life. Money and pain. You hit their wallet, or you inflict pain, they comply. That's the fallen world, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to it. The period is forever, the ages of ages, perpetually. Their personal choice has separated them from God eternally. God has not done this. They did it themselves. Hmm. God so loved the world that he gave his son, he didn't want him to go there. God's done everything possible to keep men and women from there. But the rebelliousness, the cantankerousness of each individual, God has no choice but to judge sin. The consequences have to come. Martin Luther said the following, quote, Satan is God's ape. Satan is under God's control, releasing his chain only as far as he allows then God will change Satan with that very chain and ultimately God will confine him to his own place. Many people today do not believe in God, especially the God of the Bible. Consequently, they do not believe in a real devil. But the one follows the other. Psalm 14, 1 says, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. If you... That's why... The the educators have worked it so subtly. They, they, They attack people's faith. If they can have people not believe in God, then the devil just disappears. But if you believe in God, in whatever shape or form, you have to believe in the devil. So you get rid of God, everything else disappears. Pretty smart, huh? Many people do not believe in sin nature or sin, yet... Both of them ravage their lives daily. You don't know, have nifty little things. Well, you know, I make mistakes. You know, we're not perfect, and you know, what doesn't make break you makes you stronger, and you know, and it's stupid things like that. Pain is just leaving the weakness of the body, or whatever. You have all these nifty little things. Romans six twenty three says. Um, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And those are the choices. Always have been very clear. And, you know, and thank God. God didn't say, okay, you got, I got ten choices. No, he says, got two. One's real bad, the other one's real good. You think it'd be easy, right? Now you've taken tests in school and different places, multiple choice. Man, I got 50%. I'm going to be right, right? Simple. But but, but if, if it's... Five, seven choices, then the chances are I'm going to miss more, right? Wow. John eight forty-four, 44, I mentioned earlier, said, You are of your father the devil. The desire of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, Jesus speaking to the Jews, and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. Wow. The believer in humility is to correct those opposing the gospel. It's the manifestation of our love. Evidence of our love. And that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. Having given, been taken captive by him to do his will. In 2 Timothy 2.26 So we pray for people. We ask God to open doors. We try to share with them the gospel. The gospel. The uh, enemy, but you can't force people. You can't convict people. You can't save people, and they must respond by the conviction of the Spirit, just as you and I did. And Peter warns the believer in First Peter five eight: uh, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The warnings are all to believers, because the believers are alive. Non-believers are spiritually dead. They belong to Satan. There's only two families. Family of God, family of Satan, right? People go from one to the other. But bottom line, there's only two categories, right? God said to Satan after his threats, yet you shall be brought down the shield to the lowest depths of the pit in Isaiah 14, 15. The judgment of Satan will take place before the eternal state. If, if it didn't happen. It wouldn't be eternal right. It would be. Still kind of hassle right. <laughs> Very important. Secondly. The judgment. Of the unbeliever. Has to take place. Verse 11 of chapter 20. To verse 15. In 2011. The particular event is called. The white throne judgment. The white throne judgment. Is distinct from the. Of seat of Christ. For the believer. Where well, We get rewarded for what we've done, the motive of our heart, why we did it and how we did it. John says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it. Uh the biblical seat of Christ again is uh takes place at the rapture, and it will be a judgment of fire, first Corinthians three, twelve through fifteen, for the motive of the heart. And the white throne judgment is for the unbeliever at the end of the thousand year reign. Of Christ to recompense them for their sins. We go before the Bema Seat of Christ to be recompensed for the proper motive of our reward, and the White Throne Judgment is for every unbeliever, unsaved person for all they have ever done. Wow. I got saved when I was 23. I would not want to give an account for my life for those years, let alone. If I never came to the Lord, wow! Notice the one sitting on the white throne is Jesus, the Judge of all mankind. In verse eleven, for the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. John five twenty two says the words of Jesus. The white throne judgment, notice, still in eleven, is the prelude before establishing the new heaven and the new earth, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away. And there was found no place for them. The millennial kingdom is a renovation only, removing the curse of the ground and the fierceness of the animals, as Isaiah 65, 25 says. Sin nature and sin was still present in the kingdom age. Death was still present. The child died at a hundred, Isaiah sixty-five twenty. But now the particular event Involves all who ever have rejected salvation. Look at verse 12 through 13. In 12 the persons are identified. And I saw the dead, small, and great. Those three categories to give you an all-inclusive grouping of the lost. Small and great. In economics and social status, no one will escape. God cannot respect a person. The position of the people is standing before God. That's a scary thought. Without being redeemed and saved. The position of the people is just frightful. It's before God. People today don't believe this. If people believe this, they would repent. It's simple. People think that they just cease to exist. Or, you know, well, I'm, I'm not that bad, you know, and I've done some good things. And I'll take my chance. I think I can kind of weigh it out. Really? Wow. Notice the permanent record of their lives is revealed. And the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. Verse 12. The books contain their works, deeds, and sins. Nothing will be omitted. God's going oh, that's just a little white light. We'll forget that one. Hmm? The book of life is for those saved, which their names here are not found. Philippians 4.3, Revelations 3, 3.5, 13a, 17a, 20.12, 20.15, 20, 21.27, 22.19. That's all the places where the book of life is mentioned. not just one time. Notice the people are held accountable for their lives. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things written in the books the places that give up the dead are also identified. The sea gave up the dead who were in it and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. So no one is excluded and no sin is excluded. Wow. Death, the last enemy to be destroyed, Paul says, and he... 1 Corinthians 15, 26. Hades is the Greek word meaning a temporary place of the unseen departed. It appears 11 times in the New Testament. Ten are translated hell in the King James Version. And all are identified with Jesus. Every time it's used Jesus speaks about it. Jesus spoke more about hell than heaven because it's a real place and he doesn't want anybody to go there. One translated is grave in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-five. The rest of the times, hell in the old King James. Now, the Old Testament equivalent of of Hades is is the word sheol in Hebrew, meaning, again, a temporary world of the dead, and is used to describe the place of the departed souls and spirits of the righteous and wicked who had died and continue in a state of conscious existence. They're not dead. when you give up your last breath, no one is dead. They are alive, just not here, okay? The word "sheol" appears 65 times in the Old Testament, and it's translated in the King James Version, grave 31 times, hell 31 times, and pit 3 times. The word is used prophetic of Christ in the Psalms. Listen to Psalm 1610. You will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see or undergo corruption. You remember Peter quoted this in the day of Pentecost. Because Jesus descended to the lowest parts of Sheol. And he did not stay there and see corruption. He resurrected. The people are said to be judged justly. Again, notice, each one according to his works. No one is compared to anyone else. No one is held responsible for the sins of anyone else. But Ezekiel 18 and 33 tells us that also, right? If there's a father who is evil, he has a good son. God's not going to hold the son responsible for the father's sin or vice versa, right? Now notice in verse 14 and 15, the particular event results in three things cast into the lake of fire. The first to be cast is death. Death is first mentioned by God as he warned Adam not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil in Genesis 2, 16, and 17. The prohibition communicates a clear Consequence. Literally, dying you shall die. Adam partook. He died instantly, spiritually. Physical death began to take hold of his life. And as he grew 200, 300 years old, he was dying. 400 years old, he was dying. Then 900 some years later, he literally died. Completely died. A baby's born. Gives out a big cry. Just began to die. Three months old, that baby's dying. Ten years old, he's dying. And one of these days, that baby as an adult will finally die. Just what God told Adam. The reference to dying in Genesis, the priority was spiritually. And the death would be in progression within time. The reference to you shall die was again both spiritual as a priority, the physical would follow. The first recording about death as you know, is personal and historical. The death of Abel by Cain in Genesis 4.8. Cain slew Abel in the field. Cain must have been astonished because he had never seen death. No one had seen death. They were dying, but it was slower than us.
1: You know, when you're 30,
0: 40, you think you're pretty good. Then you start getting 55. You go, oh, shoot, 60, and 60. You know? These guys live to be seven, eight hundred, nine hundred know? No big deal. Long time. But it must have blown his mind when he um, slew his brother and all of a sudden he's laying there lifeless. First death. Wow. Cain had um, seen animals die though through the sacrifice. Adam and Eve. But now for the first time. The reality of what God said. Dying you shall die. Now Hades is the second. To be cast into the lake of fire. Notice that. As I explained, Hades in the Greek word. Which means a temporary place. Of unseen departed. And it appears 11 times. In the New Testament. The Old Testament equivalent again. Of Hades' shield. In a two-fold compartment that Jesus spoke about. And all who died, good and evil, went there. But there was a division. But the key thing is, was they were conscious. They were alive. They could think. They could see each other. The lake of fire is where rebellious man and rebellious angel will be separated for all eternity. So Sheol or Hades are temporary or were for that time before the cross. Lake of fire at the end of the thousand years after the white throne judgment is for all eternity. Gehenna and the lake of fire are one and the same place. They're synonymous. Gehenna, lake of fire, same place. Gehenna is equivalent to the valley of Tophet And some of you were in Israel with us. And when you look down the valley uh, of Hinnom, if you go where the valley of Hinnom and the other one has Tophet right at the end, down by the city of David. That's where they join. And... Um, It signified the place of burning. This is where a lot of idolatrous worship went on during Israel's idolatrous time. The worship of Molech was there where they sacrificed their children on his burning arms. You find it in Jeremiah chapter 7, 19, 2 Kings 23, and many other places. Now, Josiah cleansed the land of such worship in the valley of Gehenna, or Tophed, and it became the city dump. So all the trash was put out there. Jesus referred to Gehenna often in the scriptures. It appears 12 times in the New Testament, 11 times uttered by Jesus. Where the fire never quenched, the worm never dies. And yet he describes this utter darkness. Doesn't make sense, does it? But in the valley of Tophet, the fire was never quenched. The trash was being burned. Worms were always there. A very good parallel. Death is identified and qualified for us. Notice, this is the second death. Verse 14. The second death is a result of the second resurrection, eternal separation from God. Cast Into the lake of fire. Okay. First resurrection. For the believer. Second resurrection. For the unbeliever. Thousand years difference. Okay. First resurrection. Includes all. Who have trusted Christ. Redeemed. Old Testament. New New Testament. And the tribulation saints. Um, Revelation 20. Verse 5 through 6. Christ first, everyone else in their own order, First Corinthians 15:20 20 to 23 tells us. This is why there is a blessing, the fifth Beatitude in Revelation 20 verse six, because the second death doesn't affect the believer, eternal spiritual death. But eternal spiritual death does not mean you cease to exist. In the lake of fire. All right, we've seen this already. The confirmation of their separation is stated, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Their names are now found in the book of life. Anyone, underline that, refers to all who have rejected the gospel. Anyone refers to all who have refused to repent of their sins. The book of life is a register of the saved who have trusted Jesus for their salvation. Those who have allowed the word of God to transform them. Those who have proved to be disciples of Jesus by studying and obeying his word people often say I'm good enough as I said earlier I take my chances God can judge me for my works they have no idea of the horror or any inclination of what a lie they have bought To face a holy God. Being a sinner. There's no words to express it. None whatsoever. The condition of the dead before the cross. Is explained in the gospel of Luke by Jesus. In Luke 16, 19 through 31. Prior to Jesus dying on the cross. You had a. Let's just say this pulpit's. Um, Hades or Sheol, same place and is divided in two those who died in faith went to one place, a place of comfort, bosom of Abraham paradise those who died without faith without believing in God went to the place of torment okay a dividing line between the two so fixed that one group could not pass to the other side Jesus says there In verse 26 of Luke 16. The doctrine of limbo or purgatory are an invention of the Catholic Church. Or should I say a lie? No such thing. When people die, they either go to heaven or they go to hell. One of the two. Okay? Okay? And if they go to hell right now, now it's no longer two compartments, it's just one. So when a person dies today without Jesus, they go down to Hades. Torment. That's only the holding tank for the white throne judgment at the end of the thousand year that we're examining here. This is the holding tank. Now, if you've ever known anybody or you've been in jail, until you get charged, it's that time. It's not that you're and then your time begins. It's just that time. The plea for someone to return from Hades, remember that the rich man Lazarus died, and he says, Father Abraham, send someone back. First, he has to cool his tongue. He says, You can't, go, nobody can go over there. You know, in, in his lifetime, He had nothing. In your lifetime, you had everything. And and now he's being rewarded for his faith and you're being tormented for your lack of faith. Well, Well, send someone back from the dead. I have brothers that they don't come to this place. Well, notice he had conscience. He had memory. And he didn't want his brothers To end up in the same place he was. But it was too late. The hardness of heart to believe. Is revealed by the rejection of the scriptures. Even if one returned from the dead. Jesus says they would not believe. By the way. Jesus came back from the dead. Men do not believe. Hades can only be avoided by Paying heed to the scriptures. Verse 31, Jesus said in Luke 16. Jesus returned from the dead. Again, people don't believe. They say, You really believe that? Yeah? <laughs> That's why I repented. <laughs> the dead who die in faith before and up to the cross were claimed by Jesus. Peter tells us that Jesus went down to Hades and he preached to the prisoners, the spirits there in prison, 1 Peter 3.19. Paul tells us that Jesus led captivity captive as he ascended up to heaven after the first, he descended first into Hades in Ephesians 4.8.9. So first he descended, then he ascended up on high, leaving captivity captives. The dead since the cross now are ushered before Christ the moment they give their last breath up. They're never found naked. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse one through eight, Paul says it twice you're never found naked. Instantly present before the Lord. The believer goes to the third heaven. Where God dwells. It's also called paradise. In 2nd Corinthians 12. Verse 2 through 4. Now prior to the death and resurrection of Jesus. The place of comfort was called the bosom of Abraham. Place of comfort and paradise. He told the thief on the cross. Today you will be with me in paradise. When Jesus scooped up those in faith. He transferred paradise to the third heaven. Okay. Paul makes this clear, 2 Corinthians 12, 2 through 4. Now, the historical record of death is found in the genealogy of Adam. You ready for it? All died. Read chapter 5. And so and so lived so many years, died. And so many years, he died, died, died. Doesn't matter how long they lived, they died. No one has ever lived and not died. Except for two people. Enoch and Elijah. They'll probably be the two witnesses. One for sure, Elijah. I think Enoch will be the second. But uh, there's a couple other possibilities. Now, eight times we read the phrase, and he died after the length of the person's life. Genesis 1. there are five, verse 5, 8, 11, 14, 17, 20, 27, 31. The longest living person was Methuselah, 969 years, Genesis five twenty seven, And you know when he died? The day of the flood. Because the name means when he dies, the end will come. <laughs> Interesting. God gave him a preacher. God gave him a bull, God gave him rain that never rained, and God even gave him a Thuzla, and they still didn't believe. People was, man, if they can only find Noah's ark, they believe. They wouldn't believe. Man, if we can find the ark of the covenant, they wouldn't believe. The only exception regarding death was Enoch, for God took him. Genesis five, twenty-four. The wicked remain in Hades and will until the white throne judgment, as verse eleven to fifteen of chapter twenty has told us. Gehenna is a place of fire. The whole body can end up there, Matthew five twenty nine. Both body and soul can end up there, Matthew ten twenty eight. It's better to lose a hand, a foot, an eye, and be cast than to be cast into hell with all of your members and enter heaven. Mark 9.43 Only Jesus has the power to cast into Gehenna. Luke 12.5 The lake of fire is described as the place of eternal torment before the holy angels in the presence of the Lamb. Underline that in Revelation 14.10-11 through 11. Listen, Satan does not run hell. God does. Okay? And the lake of fire. It's a place of punishment. Not a playground. Not a perverted party where all the party animals are. It's a place of punishment. And it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment, Hebrews 9.27. So the judgment of the unbeliever will take place before the eternal state. Thirdly, the judgment of the heavens and the earth. We get this in chapter 21, verse 1 through 8. In verse 1, new heavens and earth are given. The vision is communicated. Now I saw new heavens and new earth. There are three heavens that are identified in the scriptures. The first one is where the birds fly. The second is where the stellar heaven is, and the third is where God dwells. The word new here is kinos. It means new in quality, not renovation as the thousand-year reign spoken by in Isaiah 65, 17 through 18. This is not a renovation. It's brand new. This is the eternal state, which is also mentioned by Isaiah in chapter 65, verse 20 through 25, and Isaiah sixty-six, twenty-two. 22. Now the commentary on the vision confirms the time factor. Listen to him in verse 1. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There will be a disappearance of the millennial earth in heavenly order. Some teach that this event of the new heaven and new earth take place at the beginning of the thousand year reign according to Peter in 2 Peter 3.10. But John specifies the timeline by telling us that the earth and heaven fled away at the end of the thousand years in verse 20 of chapter, uh, verse 11 of chapter 20 here. So again, whatever people tell you, check it by the scripture. When you read a commentary, you check that commentator by the scripture. You don't judge the Bible by the commentary. You judge the commentary by the scriptures, the Bible. Notice the particular detail of the vision confirms the timeline. Also, there was no more sea. During the millennial, there will be a vast fishing industry in the Dead Sea. It will be healed. Ezekiel 47.10 and Zechariah 14.8. Some of you were in Israel with us. You see how the... The Dead Sea is shrinking drying <laughs> out because there's not enough water going in it. Okay, God's going to take care of that. The present sea is necessary, as you know, to cool the planet, rain, food, and purging of all our trash, sewage. It occupies two-thirds of our earth. It will not be needed then. In the eternal state, there will be no need for the sea. Peter says, in 2 Peter 3.13, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. This is the eternal state, not the millennial. Many people mistaken it. Peter's talking about after the millennial, after the white throne judgment. Look at verse 2. The holy city, the new Jerusalem, is given. The city in the vision is identified, then I saw John, the holy city, the new Jerusalem. It is a literal city. It is a city referred to in the book of Hebrews. Listen to Hebrews 12, 8 through 10. Abraham, by faith, dwelt in the land of promise as in the foreign country, for he waited for the city who has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Amazing. Abraham knew this. <laughs> Hebrews 13, 13 and 14 says, Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach, for here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. The origin of the city in the vision is provided, coming down out of heaven from God. The city is seen descending out of the heavens from God There are three heavens as we've noted. Some believe this city will be suspended over the millennial earth and be the dwelling of Christ and the church. I'm not sure about that, but some believe that. So I throw it out to you. Look at verse 2 still. The purpose of the city in the vision is declared prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. As Babylon represented a system and people and city, so the new city is the abode of the church. The city is symbolic of a bride waiting and prepared for a specific day and person. Jesus said in John 14, 1-3, Stop being afraid. If you believe in God, believe also in me and my Father's house so and many abiding places everywhere. And so I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. where I am there, you may be also. And if I go, then... I will come back to receive you to myself wow look at verse 3 and 4 the new relationship of God with man is given there God will literally live among his people as before the fall in unbroken fellowship there being no sin as in the millennium look at verse 3 and I beheld and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them as and be their God. The word tabernacle is used of the incarnation of Jesus in John 1, 14. The reference to his people, Laos, is plural, indicating Jew and Gentile. God will remove the former things in verse four. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Isaiah twenty five, eight says that. Now many people always say that about the no 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 the millennial kingdom. There's still sin and all that. This is the eternal state. No more tears, no more nothing. Okay. There should be no more death. There should be no more sorrow. All of this again, Isaiah 65, 19 speaks about. There will be no more crying or pain. As we have noted, Isaiah tells us that a child will die at 100 years old in the millennial. In the eternal state, there's no more death. Some ask, will we remember our lost loved ones and friends? I don't think so. I wouldn't help as much, would it? That would bring pain. That would bring sorrow, right? Others ask, well, I know my wife or husband there. You know I'm here? You're going to know I'm a lot better there. But not in a married state. But it's going to be better. Here, marriage is the best. Over there, you don't need it. And it's going to be better. Not because you're not married, but it's just going to be better. So we don't understand it. Notice verse 5 and 6. The stamp of authority for the genuineness of the new eternal order is given. Very important. God commanded the words to be recorded without doubt for those who would read. He is the one sitting on the throne, total authority and power. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Not in this change, has it? <laughs> in the beginning, God said, And he began the creation. He created the heavens and the earth. He makes us new through the new birth. Here he makes everything new. He is the one sitting on the throne of total authority and power. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. He declared the scriptures to be reliable. Listen. And he said to me, Write for these Words are true and faithful, the title for Jesus Christ in Revelation 1:5, 3:14, and 19:11. He's the Word of God. God declares three things in verse 6: the completion of the new work. Listen, and He said to me, It is done. You remember the cross? It is finished. The proclamation is: It is finished. The identity of the one who did it, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. The person is Jesus. Revelation 1 8. The invitation to all. I will give to the fountain of the fountain of the waters of life freely to him who thirsts. The same promise was given by Jesus on several occasions, John four ten, seven, thirty-eight and thirty-nine. Isaiah says, Ho. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Isaiah fifty-one-one. The invitation for salvation right now. Notice verse 7 and 8. The distinction of who partakes of the new eternal order is given. The saints live with God for all eternity. Look at verse 7. The relationship is one of the family of God. They are identified as overcomers. Nikao. You get the word Nike. The shoes. One who is victorious. The same word for the seven churches. These are heirs of the things of God. They shall inherit all things. They are one with God. I will be their God. They shall be my son. The abode of the saved will be with their heavenly Father by grace through faith. Ephesians 2 8 9, and by believing in the atoning work of Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians 5 21. The characteristics of family are love, honor, and obedience. Look at verse 8. The ain't lives separated from God for all eternity. The saint with God, the ain't separated. The relationship is one of family of Satan. The sharp contrast is marked by the word, but. The various life practices that characterize them are listed. The cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderous, sexual, immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. Wow. The abode of unsaved, here, is with their father, Satan. Look there at the end of 8. The final declaration and confirmation of the abode of the unsaved stated shall have their part in the lake which burnt with fire and brimstone the final affirmation of the separation which is the second death wow the comparison of the millennial heaven and earth to the new one is like our present bodies to our glorified bodies completely totally different Make sure you mark the sharp distinction between the millennial and the eternal state. The context is important. Some believe that what is being described from Revelation 21, verse 9 to 22-7 is a recapitulation of the millennial by going back and describing it fully or more fully. But if you make or and mark the important differences, they cannot be mistaken. You would have to ignore them to hold the view that the passage is describing the millennial kingdom. It is not. Therefore, some believe and teach that the new Jerusalem, the eternal state, exists simultaneously with the millennial reign on the earth, and it will be suspended, as I said, over the millennial earth while Christ and the church dwell on the the new Jerusalem uh, and continue to go back and forth. I'm not sure about that. Again, I throw it out to you. You'll, You'll read it in some commentaries. Um, I don't see it, um, but I'll just throw it out. Uh, I see more of a chronological revelation of the termination of the millennial kingdom, the new heaven, the new earth, the eternal state, uh, followed by the particular details that are given in 21 and 22. I think that a failure to distinguish the millennial from the eternal state in the the same Old Testament passages will um, contribute to the interpretation of uh, both existing together, uh, such as Isaiah uh, 65, 17 through 18 and verse 20 through 25. This is the eternal state um, that is spoken about there in verse 17 to 18 as well as Isaiah 66, 22. So the context is very important as you go through there, what it is. Uh, again, the word new is kinos, It means new in quality, no renovation like in the thousand years. Now, the Lord promised seven things to the churches regarding eternity. Listen carefully. Uh, Revelation two seven: To him that overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Church of Ephesus. Second church, 2.11, um, To the overcomer, um, they shall not be heard of the second death. The third church, Revelation 2.17, to him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him the white stone, and on that stone a new name written, which no man knows except him who receives it. Fourth, 2.26 of Revelation, and he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations, and to the overcomer shall be clothed with white garments in three five, and I will give him. I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before the angels revelation three twelve he who overcomes I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him a name. Uh, a new name, name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from God, and I will write on him my new name. Revelation 3.21, To him that overcomes, I will give to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down on my father on his throne. So, these are all promises to the seven churches they overcome by the new birth and faith in the blood of the lamb peter says this nevertheless we according to the promise look for a new heaven a new earth in which righteousness dwells this is the eternal state not the millennial kingdom second peter 3:13 and so the judgment of the heavens and the earth will take place for the new heaven and earth to appear Amazing. So after the millennium, there is to be an eternal state. And these three things must take place and be inaugurated before the eternal state comes. The judgment of Satan, cast in the lake of fire. The judgment of the unbeliever, cast in the lake of fire. The judgment of the earth, cleansed by fire. Amazing. Amazing. Forever and ever. People say, well, what are we going to do? Don't worry about it. We'll be fine. If, if you have fun here, you're going to have a lot more fun there. Trust me. Father, thank you for your grace, your love goodness. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for just um, all that you've revealed to us, Lord. We pray for those that are listening on the radio and for those on the internet. We pray that you would speak to their hearts. If someone doesn't know you, you would speak to them, Lord. Allow them to see and understand your love for them and how you die for them. They call on your name and just ask you to forgive them. If you're out there, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right where you're at, you can ask him right now, forgive you of your sins. This is your prayer to him. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Fill me with your spirit. I accept you. As my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.